Broadcast. Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. I am your host, Joshua Summer. If you're watching here on YouTube, please do not forget to click that subscribe button down below and the bell for continued notifications. You know, sometimes it's just good to contemplate something good and, and, um, and, and not, you know, necessarily be addressing some controversy or uh, some, you know, theological dispute that's going on. And just to really, uh, you know, look, look into a text, whether that be scripture or some kind of a, an ancient text or a commentary that gets us to think about God. And so what I want to do today is I, I don't want to, I'm not going to address anything specifically. I may make some comments uh, just by way of um, considering how some of these words that we're going to look at might uh, affect our understanding of the way things are and and our own lives within the context we live in. But uh, the main goal here is to, to contemplate Scripture really in order to contemplate God and who God is, and to admonish one another to do that. And so uh, that's that's really all I would like to do this week. And so I don't know how long this is going to take, but uh, what I would like to do is begin, first of all, by looking at Luke chapter 10. But we're looking at Luke chapter 10 in relation to a text by John Cassian. Um, John Cassian was a... Um, uh, early church father, um, he was born in the 4th century, about 360 A.D., and um, was a, uh, a formative figure in the 4th century, but less talked about today and less read today. So sometimes it's good, I think, to, to pick up on some of these obscure, obscure to us figures throughout history. And and so what I want to do is, more could be said by way of biographical information, obviously, but um, he's, uh, he's in, he's an, he's an Eastern theologian. Uh, and so we could, we could talk more about him, but really what I want to look at is something that he wrote um, in Cassian's conferences. Now you can, you can find this in the, uh, the, the volumized Church Fathers, uh, translated by Philip Schaff. Uh, really hard to get a hold of in print now, but I'm uh, blessed to have one. This particular reading will come from First Conference of Abbot Moses. And uh, he's going to be commenting and, and relating what he says to uh, Luke chapter 10. And, um, and so... Let's go ahead and and look at Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 38 through 42. This is the scenario where you have uh, Martha and Mary, and, you know, Martha's kind of this anxious person who is taken up with productive duties, honorable duties and tasks, things that are good in their own right. And then you have Mary, who is there with Jesus. Uh, She's at Jesus' feet. She's not really doing anything. Um, She's listening to her Lord, and 
she's really just contemplating Christ at the feet of Christ. And Martha basically, you know, says uh, to her Lord, to the Lord Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? In verse 40 of Luke chapter 10, therefore tell her to, to help me, basically, is the gist of what she's saying. And and Jesus responds in verses 41 through 42 and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, what Cassian does is relate this all to divine contemplation. And maybe just real quick, you know, a whole other episode could be done on this, but just by way of, of preface to what we're about to read in, in John Cassian is the distinction of the contemplative life from the active life and how both of those aspects of the Christian life are, are needful. Um, but one takes precedent over the other, and that is the contemplative life. To know God is the Christian's highest calling. Uh, and the and the active life serves that purpose. Um, and what we see here in Luke chapter 10 is is Martha is very concerned with the active life, what she does, you know, the kind of the practical necessities. Uh, and Mary is is concerned predominantly with the contemplative life of 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 thinking about Christ, of knowing Christ, of listening to Christ. Um, and so these two aspects of life, they relate to one another. They should, bo- they should both be present in life. But the end of the Christian life is not the active life. The end of the Christian life, that which the active life serves, is the contemplative life, a knowledge of God, uh, eventually a beatific vision where we see God at the end as our chiefest gift and uh, our happiness. Um God himself is that in which all blessedness consists. And so, you know, we, we can't get nearer to God uh, in any other way than, than knowledge. Um, and so uh, that, that distinction is running in the background of, of, of Cassian here, and uh, it's a biblical distinction. I think you see the distinction made here in Luke 10. So uh, let's read this. It's not, it's not extremely long. But we'll take time to go through it, and what I'll do is, as I read through it, I'll stop and I'll make comment. You know, when I when I think of something maybe that would be helpful to say uh, by way of explanation. Um, but but for the most part, we're just going to be kind of considering what Cassian has to say about Luke ten verses thirty eight through uh, forty two. Again, this comes from Cassian's conferences. It's the first conference of Abbot Moses, chapter eight. And uh, the title of the chapter is Of the Main Effort Towards the Contemplation of Heavenly Things and an Illustration from the Case of Martha and Mary. And he says this, This, then, should be our main effort, and this steadfast purpose of heart we should constantly aspire after, that the soul may ever cleave to God and to heavenly things. Now, we have to remember that the soul... Uh, is identified um, with the mind. And so the, op- the chiefest operation of the soul is uh, intellectual um, and consists in knowledge. And then he goes on, Whatever is alien to this, 
however great it may be. In other words, whatever is alien to the soul cleaving to God and heavenly things, the contemplation of the divine, whatever is alien to this, whatever is different from that, however great it may be, should be given the second place or even treated as of no consequence or perhaps as hurtful. Um, and so, you know, in the case of Mar Martha is concerned with noble things, but they are things that nevertheless take a secondary position to something like what Mary is doing, and that is listening to her Lord and spending time with her Lord and clinging to his feet. He says, we have an excellent illustration of this state of mind and condition in the gospel in the case of Martha and Mary. For when Martha was performing a service that was certainly a sacred one, so he commends the service of Martha, since she was ministering to the Lord and his disciples, and Mary, being intent only on spiritual instruction, was clinging close to the feet of Jesus, which she kissed and anointed with the ointment of a good confession. She is shown by the Lord to have chosen the better part, and one which should not be taken away from her. For when Martha was toiling with pious care and was cumbered about her service, seeing that of herself alone she was insufficient for such service, she asks for the help of her sister from the Lord, saying, Carest thou not that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And then Cassian continues, Certainly it was to no unworthy work, but to a praiseworthy service that she summoned her. In other words, Martha's calling Mary into a praiseworthy service. And yet, what does she hear from the Lord? And then he quotes Jesus, Martha, Martha, thou art anxious and troubled about many things, but few things are needful for or only one. Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You see then, Cassian resumes, that the Lord makes the chief good consist in meditation, i.e., in divine contemplation, whence we see that all other virtues should be put in the secondary place, even though we admit that they are necessary and useful and excellent, because they are all performed for the sake of this one thing. And what he's saying there is that the active life, um, what some might call the practical life of the Christian, is really in service to the contemplation of God. The contemplation of God is not in service to the active life or the practical life. The practical life is in service to the intellectual life or the con con contemplative life. And the interesting thing is that here in this present state that we're in, the state of grace, where we haven't reached glory, um, in the present state, Though the active life is ordered to the contemplative life, yet the contemplative life also enriches the active life. So the more we know and contemplate uh, and meditate upon God through the Lord Jesus Christ, as he's revealed in the word of God, the active life is enriched, yet the active life still takes that secondary position in the sense that it its, actu its actual purpose is to lead us to a, a richer knowledge of God and a, a point at which we more clearly contemplate God until finally we, we arrive at the end and the uh, our lives are taken up in, in and with glory in the presence of Jesus Christ when the, uh, we, we see him as he is, as the scriptures say. Um, so, trying to find here where I left off... Um, Okay, so he says that 
all of these things, all of these secondary virtues uh, are performed for the sake of this one thing, the, con the contemplation of God. For when the Lord says, thou art careful and troubled about many things, he's telling Martha that, but few things are needful or only one. Cassian says, Jesus makes the chief good consist not in practical work, however praiseworthy and rich in fruits it may be, but in contemplation of him, which indeed is simple and but one, because it consists in the contemplation of one God, declaring that few things are needful for perfect bliss. That, co that contemplation, which is first secured by reflecting on a few saints, um, which is first secured by reflecting on a few saints, from the contemplation of whom he who has made some progress rises and attains by God's help to that which is termed one thing, the consideration of God alone, so as to get beyond those actions and services of saints, and feed on the beauty and knowledge of God alone. In other words, we're moving beyond ourselves and what we do to God himself, to, to contemplate the Lord himself. Progresses and progress rises and attains by God's help to that which is termed, quote-unquote, one thing, the consideration of God alone, so as to get beyond those actions and services of saints and feed on the beauty and knowledge of God alone. Mary, therefore, choose, chose the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Um, and then Cassian ends by saying, and this must be more carefully considered. For when he says that Mary chose the good part, although he says nothing of Martha, and certainly does not appear to blame her, yet in praising the one, he implies that the other is inferior. In other, in other words, Martha is, is concerned with tax, tasks that are inferior to what Mary has engaged in, that is, the contemplation of her Savior. Again, when he says, which shall not be taken away from her, he shows that from the other, her portion can be taken away. In other words, that the work that Martha accomplishes can be taken away, uh, can accomplish only temporal realities in the final analysis. That can be taken away. But what, <clears throat> but what Mary contemplates, God himself, cannot be taken away from her. Um, Cassian qualifies, for a bodily ministry cannot last forever with a man. In other words, everything we do in this in this life uh, will will fade away eventually. But our Lord teaches, he says, that this one's desire can never have an end. The desire, if it rests in God, can never have an end because God is eternal. And the blessedness that we have in him will be eternal. And the happiness that we will uh, attain as a result of of our union with him will for, forever be eternal. Um, this has profound consequences, I think, for the present circumstances that we find ourselves in, you know, with regard to not just the explicit Christian life or the specific Christian life, but also with respect to how we understand the world in which we live, our chief tasks and main duties within the world in which we live because there's always a push and 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 this this I'm, I'm I am going to talk about some some contemporary issues here just by way of of situating Cassian's words within our own uh context there is a there is this this tendency you know on social media and even in churches to pound the pulpits and to pound the keyboards concerning what we need to do as a result of what our world is doing. 
And if we don't respond the right way, and if we don't make the right moves on the chessboard, so to speak, through our actions, political involvement, uh, the things we, we say on the internet or whatever, then that's all to our detriment. And, and, that, and that seems to be the main thing which we like to focus on. And, and all of this, of course, is, is influenced by the social gospel that has been uh, preached for a very long time, which turns the gospel into a duty, essentially. Uh, any any anything that turns the gospel into a political or societal duty is a form of the social gospel. And so what Cassian is saying here, and 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 I think our Lord's point in Luke 10 is that the highest thing we could be taken up with is God himself sitting at the feet of Christ, listening to him, contemplating him, meditating his uh, upon his word is actually the height of the Christian life. Again, the contemplative life is the height of the Christian life. And what we what we want to tend to do is make the active life the end-all be-all, such that if we, if we fail in the active life, everything's gone. And, and then we kind of relegate the contemplative life to this useless aspect of the Christian life. Yeah, it's important. It's, 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 you know, we, we, we should think about God and we should do theology. Um, uh, you know, that's all important and the doctrine is important, but really it's all about the active life. It's all about what we do in the here and now and our responses in the here and now. Um, when really the active life needs to be structured in such a way to make room for the contemplative life. In other words, the active life is in service to the contemplative life. And that's, that's an ancient way of looking at the Christian life. It's a, it's a profoundly biblical way of looking at the Christian life as well, as you can see from Luke 10. But it's, it's, it's actually a way that's taken a back seat on the bus in the modern era. Uh, it, it's all about the active life. It's all about what we do in the here and now. It's all about how we respond to the politics and the news headlines. It's all about how uh, we do things and what we do, 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 do make the checklist. I mean, you see it all the time on Twitter with with what I like to call gurus, you know, gurus on on Twitter uh, giving you marching orders. And you've probably never even met these people. And yet you feel a sense of duty when you read that stuff, such that now you're shackled and you're burdened by some dude you've never met on Twitter. So what John Cassian and what our Lord says in Luke 10 is incredibly liberating in that the Christian being enraptured intellectually by the gospel and the reality of the gospel and the revelation of the gospel actually has the freedom to contemplate God and to enjoy God in some measure now. And the active life is to be seen as a means unto that. I think I'll go ahead and end there. <laughs> Hopefully that was helpful. Um, if it was helpful, share it. If it helped you, maybe it'll help somebody else. Uh, and if you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do so. If you're listening on a uh, podcast platform, Spotify or iTunes, um, leave a rating. That That's helpful. Uh, and be honest about it if there are things that I can improve. I know one of the things that I can improve, uh, it's just a matter of finding time to do it, would be to put the words of John Cassian up here on the screen. You know, when I when I do readings like this, to to put the words on the screen. Uh, but those of you listening to this as, as the podcast audio version probably don't care so much about that. Um, 
with that said, uh, conference is coming up in August. That's August 9th through 10th. If you haven't registered for that, please do on Eventbrite. Uh, we're 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 really stretching our capacity here, so it's going to be very interesting to see how all this works out logistically. Although I'm sure it will, the Lord is is good to us and uh, has has made way for this conference up till now. So we'll just we'll just see what happens. Um, with that said, I'll go ahead and sign off here. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day.